0: Thank you for joining us on another season of Beyond Clean, a live podcast where the cleaning industry talks about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. Beyond Clean is a podcast that is broadcast out of our studios inside Gym Supply in Orlando, Florida. We're always looking for guests at Beyond Clean, so reach out to me, your host, David Thompson, at dthompson at academyofcleaning.com, or call us at 888-999-6059. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Now, let's get started with today's guest on Beyond Clean. Good afternoon, everyone. This is another episode of Beyond Clean with Ace. And, well, we're doing another one of our video podcasts. Yeah, I know. Podcaster, usually audio only. But, hey, we just got to be a little different. And if everything is right, you should see Mike Satchik. Mike Well,
1: thank you very much, uh, Dave, for the opportunity, and I uh, uh, welcome everyone joining
0: in today. Well, uh, Mike and I have known each other for a number of years. Uh, I used to run a green cleaning program, International, and Mike was with another company, and we have both kind of moved around and done some things and kept in touch, and Mike, here we are back again together. Yes, Uh, looking forward to it. So um, why don't you tell people a little bit about what you do and uh, your advance and how long you've been in the business and all of that good stuff before we get into it. Everybody already knows about all of me, so I ain't going to go into that for me.
1: Well, thank you, David. I've uh, been in the industry, the professional cleaning industry for about 30 years, so uh, have spent time working for manufacturers, uh, both uh, midsize and uh, international, worked for um, uh, distribution, did some work with building service contractors, I actually spent some time working in universities as a supervisor. And uh, my, my area of expertise, especially, is the science and engineering of chemicals and cleaning and, and really understanding that. So I bring a little bit different perspective instead of being a single dimension, either manufacture, distribution or BSC, or in-house cleaning. I have a little bit of, a, of both. And, and over the years, I've seen the good, the bad, the ugly, what works, what doesn't work. And and uh, where you get smoked and where you don't get smoked. And uh, then uh, it, uh, most recently, I've uh, uh, edited a report, uh, which, you know, maximize your in-house cleaning operations. And as you, you uh, always lecture, Dave, especially with your, uh, you know, rock star custodian, the idea is that a lot of people, a lot of facilities focus on their products. Oh, if you get better products, we're going to get better results without understanding is, and it's not the product, it's your procedures. And if you're not following those procedures, you've got no protocols to measure and validate what you're doing. You may think that you could, you tell people, oh yeah, we're cleaning and disinfecting in a two-step process but or three-step and you find out that your people aren't doing it. So to me, it was really the low-lying fruit. Uh, it's so easy and quick to change products or procedures or protocols, yet it's the least impactful over the long-term success of an operation. So I did uh, put together a special report, which lays out about eight different things other than products and protocols and procedures that could uh, provide a better ROI on your cleaning operations and provide greater consistency and levels of clean, safe, and healthy.
0: Now, you're listening to another episode of Beyond Clean with Ace. And as we say with everything we do here on the podcast, if it's healthy, positive, or proactive, we want to talk about it. And Mike and I, when we first got together, we were talking green, healthy, and, and it was kind of refreshing that somebody wanted to talk about that. Now, now, green isn't quite the thing we talk about quite so much anymore. It's health. In the last uh, 18 months, health is really, I mean, it's been the impactful thing we've all been talking about. Um, and so you've got eight things in your report that isn't going to talk about changing a product. Is it going to talk about using a different piece of equipment? Yeah, we're talking the same language.
1: Exactly. No, it's um, the uh, product, you know, you go out there and you look at if it's, a, if it's a, you know, registered disinfectant, they're all fairly good. You know, they may have different kill claims, different dwell times, et cetera, but they're all good. If you're getting evacuated, they're all good. So it's really not the emphasis saying, well, listen, you come in and, and you got to change it all, change all your products or change all your equipment or your custodial hardware to get the results. It's saying that guys, at the end of the day, if your people are not, uh, you know, if you don't have the best of people and we're all talking about retention. So your operation, even though if it's uh, I focus on in-house because primarily I find that in-house are typically quite not as as, uh, well run as a building service contractor for different reasons. But if it's in-house, large, unionized. Uh, they had one advantage for keeping people. It was the uh, the unionized environment. Why, why would you want to leave? But uh, anymore, you're only going to be as good as your people. So if you're unable to attract, if you're unable to recruit, if you're unable to retain, or unable to properly develop those people, that's going to determine your level of success, your, 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 your high bar mark. So, the focus is, uh, you know, I, I actually have a program where I coach people to do their own in-house assessment. So learn the knowledge of best in class, what to look for, how to look for it, and then go in and and you're on operation and open the hood, look under the hood and see what they're doing. Typically it's uh, meant for uh, facility manager executives. So maybe the one that's running custodial uh, services plus all the maintenance, all the HVAC, all the trades people, et cetera, et cetera. So they're professional engineer, they may have uh, you know, a facility management degree, but they really don't understand cleaning, the science and engineering cleaning. They're relying on their director or manager of custodial services. And there's a lot of good people out there, a lot of good operations. But how do they really know? How do they know that their operation is at the highest level of consistency and clean, safe, and healthy at the lowest overall cost? So well, it's an opportunity I- for them to dig down and do the by themselves with the, uh, an assessment And there's actually over 100 main considerations to look at other than the the products and and procedures and protocols, they maybe represent 60 or 60%. But looking at the people, and then more importantly, what I view is the the leadership, not management, not the control and supervising and dictating, but that leadership, being able to inspire, motivate, create a a culture of uh, trust, empowerment, engagement, where the people want to come to work and do the best job possible.
0: You mentioned the Rockstar program uh, earlier, and and uh, uh, Mike, thanks for mentioning that because we are in the middle of our Rockstar voting as we record this session. And so, folks, if you're if you're listening to our podcast right now and it's in the first month here of November 2021, please go to our uh, website rockstarcustodian.com, look at the eight finalists, and vote for them. You know, we always say here at the Academy, Mike, the most valuable resource that an organization has is an engaged employee. And I think that's what you're talking about. You know, engagement means that they have to be knowledgeable before the skill kicks in. At least that's what we talk about. Right.
1: Absolutely, you want the you want the workers, you know, the custodians to come to work fired up, and and you want them to be able to have this attitude that they want to do the best job possible, and and in most operations, you know, 95% of the custodians are that way, you know, and you may have some others that uh, uh, aren't quite there, but it's really the leadership that creates that 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 environment or that culture where, as you know, it's that. Initial training, onboarding and training is the retraining of the people. It's And what you do so well, Dave, is the why. Not saying, oh, here's what you do and how you do it. Mm-hmm. They need to understand custodians today are saving lives. They are keeping people safer and healthier. And once, if you have the right person, you know, with the right heart, that they want to do a good job, they want to do the right thing. And you give them the knowledge and you give them that that motivation that they are out there saving lives and keeping people safer. They'll, they'll do they'll bend backwards to to do it. If they understand the why, then you need to back it up with the with the training. So you don't say, well, here's your, your chemical and here's your, your microfiber cloth, go out there and clean and disinfect. It's really to show them how to do it. And then the part that you that needs to be done is the verification, validation. So just because you say or your procedures say do step one, two, three, and four in that order, you gotta go out there and ensure that they are doing it because they may have forgotten, they may have uh, been uh, improperly trained or who knows when the last time they were trained, but it's not just, it's understanding the why, it's then only then to understand the what and how, but ensuring that you have some sort of validation that's measuring uh, what you say you do and actually you're doing it. And then use that data to, to practice continuous improvement. The best organizations in the world, I don't care if it's Facebook or Google, they don't rest on their status quo. They're not complacent and say, well, that's the way we've cleaned 30 years ago, and it was good enough then, it's good enough now, or that's the way my mentor taught me how to do it. They've got to look for opportunities to constantly drive improvement, drive getting better and best. Why? Because their people are demanding, the students, the teachers, the parents of the kids in schools, or the the occupants and users, of the facilities, they're demanding to know what are you doing? And let me see that you're doing um, to keep my building clean, safe, and healthy.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I think there's a number of things you said there. And I was thinking about uh, an uh, in interview I did with Harriet and, and I know I keep talking about her on every podcast I've done since then, but you know, it's so exemplified what a rockstar program is. And she's a day porter in a multi-story class a office building in detroit Mm -hmm. and whenever she was uh, awarded the nomination and be a part of a finalist what did they do to motivate inspire they gave they they put up on a plaque they made a qr code for people to go and vote for harriet i mean now that's leadership taking it to the next level using technology from today like you said, not resting on their laurels, but rather than what some people did was kind of, oh, you know, well, I know they're a finalist and everything. They made a QR code for people to scan to make it easy for them. And I'm like, now that's leadership. That is an organization that inspires people to want to stay there and, and work with them.
1: Um, exactly. That's an yeah. awesome uh, example. It didn't take a, a lot of money to do it. No, um, but it, what it did is it, it wasn't just a talk. It was the walk. They actually said, we care about our uh, Harriet and we care about our, our custodians. We know what you do is important and, and, and valuable. It, it's, you know, you know, giving the respect um, and as opposed to demanding the respect back. I, I think that that's critical. And then, you know, as the sayings go, you know, you look at the cleaning overall cost of cleaning, you know, it. it maybe, 8% is the cost of all your products, but your labor is so important. And yet so many facilities aren't looking at managing labor. How can we become more consistent, more productive, more effective, more efficient with that labor? And it just is mind boggling. It's mind boggling. Now the BSCs, I think, do a much better job overall. Now there's good and bad in all buckets, but (laughs) overall the BSCs are driving because they're running it as a business, yet many in-house are not looking at how can we drive or improve that engagement, that empowerment. We want, we want our employees, because they know best, the cleaners know best. If we if we tap into their their enthusiasm and, and allow them to make their decisions to uh, to allow us to become more effective in doing the right things, more efficient in what we're doing, um, etc. It is so powerful. And as if I could just take one more uh, topic is that the analogy I use David is a car. You could okay. be looking at that car. It could be a Model T, or it could be your Ferrari. That's uh, you know in the back of your um, uh, house. Uh, the the car is uh, what I would view as your products, protocols, and procedures. So that body, the tires, a shiny paint, the windshield. That's your 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 um, your, your product procedures and and protocols. What the people are is your drivetrain. They're the engine. And they're the transmission and, and your universal joints and your gearbox, they're the ones that actually propel that car. Without the people, you're gonna have a car sitting there. Only with people do you have that that drive. And then the um, you know, the, the third part of it is I, I view is that the leadership, they're the ones that are steering the car and they're igniting the fuel. So if you have bad leaders, they're making wrong decisions on where to go, how to get there. They're following the wrong roadmap. Or they're putting uh, inefficient fuel so your car is sputtering um, um, around. So you really need to have this integration between the, the of course, you need the right products and procedures, but they're, most of them are fairly good. So it's not your killer. The killer is have rock star custodians. And what do you do with them is your leadership to to really develop that that culture of engagement and empowerment.
0: You know, I think that's, that's great. I use different analogy, but I like yours. I'm sure that there's a number of people listening uh, on the podcast here. It's going to go, Hey, that makes sound, you know, and, and, and some of the organizations I've been involved with over my years, I've used pretty much the same analogy. And when you, you have this universal understanding that people that are engaged in what is happening, you know, I've heard all my life in, in this business, yeah. You know, we, you know, well, we just got a revolving door of employment. You know, we, we pull people in, we give them and then they come and they don't come and everything. And they act like it's just always going to be that way. And I'm like, you know, it's not going to change if you don't change it. And and I think this is what you're talking about. If leadership doesn't do what is necessary to change it, all the talk in the world and, and, and you can't just keep trying to redo the same thing in a different way. It's like, Change it upside down. Now, I've got my version of a few things, but Mike, you came on today not to talk about my version, but yours.
1: I'll, be, what I, I'll take off what you just said, Dave, is that reflection. And I've always said, when you're pointing a finger, well, that's good for them. How could they, well, what kind of person would make that to leave our great organizations? They're pointing at that person. They need to remember, when they have one finger pointing at them, there's three fingers pointing right back at, at them. So that self-reflection, Right. why are they leaving what can we do better in terms of creating the right environment and i think that is where the sadness comes in is they're so focused on on doing the day-to-day activity that they're they're doing what's urgent as opposed to what's in, in, important in that organization and think and, yeah, yeah, yeah. so they're not understanding what skill set and i think that's where it starts off when you want to hire a custodian you know so many people say well i want their their experience well experience means nothing i If the person has the ability to learn the desired and I could teach them how to properly clean and disinfect a surface or uh, a a toilet bowl, et cetera. But what you really want them to have is they want to learn, they can learn. And more importantly, more importantly, that they, they, they um, want to uh, do the right thing that they have this attitude of, of, of serving uh, almost. So if you don't start off with the right understanding of skill sets on what to look for, for custodians, you're going to make some bad decisions in hiring them, and then what I, I uh, say, David, is that okay? You take a custodian at uh, uh, a college, school board, university. What's their annual salary? And, and you know, you know. So let, let's just assume it's a uh, forty grand or thirty grand. It doesn't matter what it is, but some of them stay around for thirty years or thirty-five years. So if it's forty grand a year, you're paying them with with uh, uh, all the total remuneration package and benefits, et cetera. Over 30 years, that's 1.2 million dollars. Now, who's making that 1.2 million dollar decision to hire that particular custodian, and what are they, What grounds? Same thing with when they get to a leadership. They some don't understand the difference between good managers and good leadership. But you know, effective listening skills, how to build a team. Um, you know, these are there's skills that you need to. You can't expect somebody just to get because some people just may not have that. They could be taught them. They could be coached them. But the point is that uh, over time, we need to focus more on the rockstar custodians. And that is understanding what to look for, how to train, how to retrain them, how to, to, um, to, uh, to uh, uh, ensure that they have that right environment. That's where the leadership comes in. And with the leaders, it's really understanding is their job isn't to be an expert cleaner. That, that, that's not their job. Their job is should be a, an effective leader to create that right environment. And and over time, and again, it's not rocket science, you could be taught, you could have checklists on what to look for, you could be uh, shown what best in class organizations do. And the last thing that I find is that so many people compare themselves to their peers. So Mm -hmm. I'm running school one, you're running school two, we put our heads together, what are you doing, David? I'm doing this, what are you doing, Mike? I'm doing this. Well, we may not be the best best in class operations, it's foolish to think you're going to get best in class when you're only comparing yourself to like competitors. You sometimes need to sort of think outside that box and say, truly, what are the best in class uh, uh, doing? And then from there, once you have understanding of that assessment, you know, uh, uh, integrated comprehensive over, say, 100 different things, you know, and one example and on the products could be, are you using microfiber? But then when you drill down, that's one consideration. Layer it down. Are you color coding? Are you properly folding? Are you wiping one way or are you going back and forth? Are you cleaning or are you polluting? You know, are you using dual bucket systems? Yes or no? Uh, if not, if how do you what protocol do you have on when you change the, the solution, when you change your mop-heads? Are you bringing them into a different area of the build? So those are just some of the considerations on products, you know, three or four. But if there's a hundred of them, how to assess what you're doing? Good, you know, good enough is good, not there, or what needs improvement. And then from there, most importantly, is What do you do with that data? One, you could communicate to your your stakeholders where you are today and then use it to develop an improvement plan to say where you're going to take that organization to ensure that all the users and occupants are confident and feel confident that you're doing and your team, uh, cleaning operations team is doing all they can to give them the cleanest, safest, healthiest facility possible. Because if if they're not, it's going to drive a lot of change I, I really believe in the future. People are going to start making their decisions. I'm not going to go to that restaurant or go to that restaurant, that building or that building, based on what they perceive as a level of clean. And then from there, is I, I think same thing is going to happen with education. There's going to be time is going to come that that people are going to have to be held accountable, held responsible for why uh, are their facility isn't uh, to to the right standards.
0: I think people are already making that choice, Mike. As we come back. Uh, to work as we go back to our movie theaters and our restaurants and our places to shop. We're finding that we don't need to go to the same places we did before.
1: Right.
0: We're, we're recognizing that the level of acceptance is not simply by appearance. We're watching and we're looking for more detailed um, outward displays of what's happening. And I think that's what you're seeing in our industry Frequencies have gotten more. There's more people doing our work during the day where they're seen. More of what we're doing is now being recognized. I think as you go further uh, from this in 22, I think we're going to see people making choices based a little differently than we did before. And I only hope that continues for the right reasons why it makes your job and my job important uh, even more so than it was before, maybe more recognized now, I won't say important, but maybe more recognized.
1: Agreed. And, and what you uh, mentioned is not just what you do, it's really what you say. And I think if there's a disconnect. And, and I've seen that firsthand. You know, you could have the, you know, while well, we clean and disinfect, blah, 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 blah. But if the people, it's what you said, if they come in the facility, and they look at, you know, uh, dirty floors, you know, they literally see uh, you know traffic lanes, and they see uh, soil that doesn't get cleaned up for a days on di- on end. They walk up that stairwell, and the same dirt that's been there for three consecutive days. There's that disconnect. So leadership is saying we are really cleaning this facility well, yet the users are seeing something different. And as soon as they have that disconnect, they're not going to believe what you're saying. So I think it's so important that community that the that the facility communicates what they're doing, why they're doing it, et cetera, to, to help to help build that confidence. But more importantly, as you said, is what the people see. If they see their custodians not cleaning properly, if they walk into the bathroom and clearly that, that bowl hasn't been cleaned in a while, or if you got all these rust stains on the urinals and you say, yeah, we are really cleaning facility. Yeah, but look at those rust stains, guys. That's been and you'll make a choice.
0: And and you'll make a choice not to come back there. It's like if you go to a restaurant and you grab hold the menu and it's sticky and gooey, are you going to just deal with it like we used to, or are you going to get up and walk out? Exactly. Yeah. I think these are the things that people are listening to. You know, I was in a restaurant not too long ago and and you know how some of them have seats on both sides of a main wall. And I heard this conversation between a lady and her husband And she said, would you look up at that fence above our head, see all of that fuzz that's hanging off of it? I think we should leave. Now, that was a visual thing, I understand. But who before was actually looking at that other than people like you and I? Right.
1: But the other one, Dave, and I know you're a big believer of clean and disinfecting is a a two-step minimum, but typically a three-step process, pre-clean, apply the disinfectant, allow it to sit there and dwell. And most of the time, you need to do a rinse uh, afterwards. Praise the Lord, somebody said it, got my message. Thank you very much, Mike. In, in one of my uh, positions, I was I went out and, and I was new. So they, they, some of these people were cleaning for 20, 25 years at this particular uh, facility. And um, they were actually using, uh, in this case, an uh, uh, electrostatic sprayer. And, and I think they're doing a great job. A, they weren't pre-cleaning. They're just spraying everything. And they're using a, a, a quad, which is okay. But then I and I just grabbed, I just rubbed the surface of the desk and it was sticky. I went to the railing, it was sticky. So it was numerous times I said, grab that. And he said, sticky. I said, what do you think that does to soil? What do you think it does to pathogens? It's, it's making uh, um, a higher reservoir as an example. So all of a sudden this person didn't realize this. So what you need to do, that's why two, one reason is, you know, you clean and disinfect because the next day when you come there, if you're cleaning, you're going to remove at least that stickiness that, that off of there. But your best the situation is, if you really want to do it right, is clean, remove the uh, gross soils, uh, but apply your disinfectant as per, and let it sit, stay wet, as you know, the dwell time and then uh, do that rinse. But if you can't, making sure that, uh, uh, you know, you can't, for whatever reason, you don't want to follow the label instruction. That product says the rinse. If you don't want to follow it, make sure next time you come there, you're not just applying more and more and more uh, stickiness. The other but, one but, what, what, what my blows my mind is, uh, and I think it's a pet peeve of yours, is custodial closets, uh, is lunchrooms, break rooms. I went into one and it was a pig pen. You just sat there in a door hinge. There must've been a half an inch of dust You went open up the microwave and there was all this grease and goo around there. And and, um, unbelievable how many examples of of, of filth in a lunchroom. You go into the closet, same thing. And I said, well, guys, I'll guarantee you I could tell a quality of a cleaner by the quality of their personal space. They're not going to clean out there better than they're cleaning their own lunchroom or their own custodial closet. So one thing I always encourage them to do, look at that closet because a typical closet is your largest reservoir of pathogens in a facility, you know, that is dark, is damp. They, they very seldom ever clean the floors uh, in the, the closets. And so now they walk in their cart, they walk it out. So the facility could be clean. Then as soon as they walk, that cart has picked up all the soil off their closet. They're tracking it from, from building to building or from end to end of that facility. So it, it, it's a pet peeve in, in not understanding you know, the, the science or the engineering of cleaning, but also what to look for. And those are just telltale signs. You look at a closet, you look at a lunchroom, if it's dirty, guarantee you've got cleaning problems throughout your facility. And again, you don't have to be a genius, but, you know, that is something that you train somebody. So I could take somebody that doesn't understand cleaning and say, look for this. If you see that, that's a telltale sign that you've got a cleaning problem. And more importantly, uh, what I look at is that others, if a student sees that, if a student is walking by and you open up the custodial closet and they get this whiff this of uh, malodor, if they happen to look inside, it looks like a dog's breakfast. If it's uh, really dirty, how do you expect that that, that student, if you're at a school or that patron of that uh, restaurant saying, yeah, these guys probably do a great job cleaning? <laughs> You know, their yeah. language isn't demonstrated by their actions.
0: Yeah, this goes to to one of the, uh, I mean, you know, you've given me several examples of things that I do in my class. So I think you've taken some of my classes already, Mike, but, uh, you know, I, I, I have a program where we talk about this and you have one too. Yeah. And I say the, the I, I hold up my phone and I said, everybody's got GPS on the phone. There's two things that it needs other than an internet connection. And the first one is, where are we starting from? And this is so much what you're talking about right here. If we don't check what we're starting from, and th- I, I'm going to lay this back on management. I, I'm sorry. Uh, and, and maybe call it leadership. Um, when I was talking with Ralph on his podcast, I got in trouble. I said management. and, and Okay, so now you're talking leadership. So I'm, I'm sorry. Supervision above the frontline custodian. I'm going to blame it on them in a way that we're not taking care of setting the right examples. We're letting things slide. You shut that door and forget about it. That's not true, especially in the case where today we are decontaminating areas for health. How can you decontaminate an area if you're starting with infectious material? You can't. You know, and, and that's what you're saying that closet is full of, infectious materials. I mean, was the last time that the wet floor sign was ever cleaned and disinfected? The broom, the vacuum cleaner, you know, and, and is it the fault of the frontline worker? No, it's because we haven't inspired them. We haven't given them the knowledge to know that this is, this is as important as everything else they do. Because you can't get to the end, you can't protect health, if you don't do all of this right, it takes that whole group. Right on. Now, you mentioned probably three
1: things that stuck in my mind is you need to, first of all, understand where are you? Mm-hmm. And, and is it because your people are telling you that or do you really know it? To me, it, it needs, you need to have evidence-based data to understand where are you. And then once you know that, it's easy to say, okay, here's where we want to go. Um, you know, your objectives, your timeline, your, your, your financial resource, people resources, et cetera. Once you have those two points, where you are and where you want to go, it's easy to develop that improvement plan. Number two, I agree wholeheartedly. Very seldom is it the employees. Uh, it's that, and again, I, I distinction manager and supervisor. You could have good, and I think that's a problem. There's a lot of good managers. They're sound on their knowledge of cleaning and controlling, supervising, dictating, you might say. Do it that way, Ralph. Do it that way. Do it that way. But they're not inspiring your people to want to, to to go out and make this difference Uh, that, and so that's where leadership, but uh, the other side of it is they do not have, and and, and I talk about as one of the uh, eight things, a true north in that organization. And great um, uh, leadership coaches, like John Spence in, in particular comes to mind, is that if you don't have this compass to really understand, these are our core values that everyone, the employees, being the custodians, the supervisors, the managers, the directors, leadership are going to have these are our core values. This is our mission and this is our vision. Then it becomes very simple if everybody lives and breathes them to know, because it'll say, This is our mission, this is our vision. If they're not doing it, hold people accountable because nothing kills leadership when they'll say, We will not tolerate this. And all of a sudden, uh, the management or leadership will let that slide by. well. We're not going to tolerate this level of cleanliness, but, well, we're not going to do nothing. We can't discipline them, et cetera. So you need to know where you are, where you're going to go. Um, That's important. You need to understand that it's typically the managers and, more importantly, the leadership that more to blame on your past results, but who's going to impact your future results, not your custodians. Um, And then the third thing is you really need to understand, uh, as far as I'm concerned, in having that true north. And ensuring that everybody in that organization knows what they are, understands what they are, could repeat them in their own words, not just read a plaque, but could say, what does that mean to them? And then make, and if every single day, life is easy. We don't need a three inch or six inch or 12 inch SOP manual. We just say, this is just do what you think is right to keep people safe, healthy. And if everyone makes that decision and we hold people accountable, if they're doing something that's not right, making sure that we have strong enough leadership that we get rid of them. Because what you see too many times is that they've put all these rules in place to, to affect the 95% people that are good because we got these 5% bad apples out there, as opposed to dealing with those bad apples and treating those 95% uh, for, for, for what they are. So that's that reverse. And again, that is leadership. That's not management, that's leadership where they're allowing they're, they're allowing the acceptance of subpar behavior, a subpar performance. They're accepting. Are allowing that the fact that they are not measuring, you know, I don't care if they go out and do a visual check, but there's gotta be something that says, yeah, we, we told Mike to go out and do this. And then, you know, Dave came out later and looked at it or he looked at it with a checklist or he looked at it with a black light or looked at it with an ATP meter or he looked at it with something, but there's gotta be something that them say, here's what was asked. Here's the result. Here's the Delta. And here's what we're doing to manage that um, uh, to to, to ensure that we're delivering what, results and output we say. And, that, and and you said, and I'm just capturing those three or four points that really stuck in my mind. Know where you're starting from. It's unlike the, you know, and you need to have that data. It's typically not the people. It's a manager and leadership that that needs to, um, uh, that has the biggest impact. And unfortunately, I, I think at times is that not all, because there's such good, I've seen a lot of good managers and directors of custodial services and school boards and college and university, but I've also seen some not so good ones but they've been said, well, you know, you've been in that position for the last 10 years or you've been cleaning for 30 years. The FM director uh, or VP operation of the facility is allowing them to be the subject matter expert in, and without sitting there and saying, okay, if something goes wrong, if something goes south in the organization, am I willing, as the FM operations director or VP, put my reputation on that person who says it's right? And it maybe, but what evidence do I have? What how do I know that I'm there? And I think that is the critical thing and uh, that, that's missing. And, and that, that's if I could well, I have people walk away with one thing is that, guys, I don't care. There's great checklists out there. I know you offer one. I used to say SIMS program, you can download theirs. Most of them are focusing on the products and protocols and procedures, mind you, but at least it's a start. You need to go have an independent assessment of where you are and just don't rely on your people telling you that all is rosy because if I have seen, you have seen, I'm sure others, have seen, when we walk around some of these facilities, it's so obvious uh, what they're doing is incorrect. And again, you ask the, the person, well, that's the way I was trained. Or nobody's ever asked me to do anything better. Or why should I go and do anything better? They don't, they don't care. They don't discipline the other people. I'm not going to come in here, and bust my butt off, uh, 12 hours work in eight hours. And when they let Charlie over there do nothing. So again, when you sit there and management or leadership is pointing, At the results, typically it's three fingers pointing back at them for having ineffective uh, verification or protocols or um, the uh, management leadership skills to to
0: enhance that. Folks, as you're listening to us record this, it is the first week of November 21. We are sponsored by Gym Supply here in Central Florida. They've been supplying uh, cleaning supplies that save lives for over 90 years. We're very happy to be sponsored by them, allowing us this time to have these great, wonderful conversations. And, yes, we are in the middle of the Rockstar Voting Program. Um, eight finalists out there. I mentioned Harriet. We've had several different uh, podcasts with uh, different ones. I remember uh, one with Ken over in California already, and I think we also had uh, – Oh, I can't think of his name. I'm sorry, but uh, he was over here in Florida. You keep mentioning north and south, Mike, and I just got to say, I'm sorry. I'm on um, south. You're north. Folks, I got to just tell you, we got Canada talking to Florida here this afternoon. <laughs> um, so when he's t- he was talking about north, I'm I'm kind of looking at those pictures of snow behind you back there, Mike, and going, hmm. Yeah, there's his north. I'm, I, I got rid of that north. Anyway, I know. It, it's a live show, folks, and whenever it hits my brain, it just kind of comes out my mouth. Um, you know, the interesting thing as we talk about this, how much has changed over the years, Mike? And where are we headed?
1: I think there's been significant change, uh, and, it, and I think the last two or three years have been a lot much more. And I, and I think you've got uh, two different groups of people. you got some that are, are actively looking at the change and how they could uh, embrace it. And, and some of them that come to mind is, you know, you know really understand electrostatic sprayers. And, and again, to me that, you know, some of them are not more than a glorified fogger, but people need to understand the difference between fogging and electrostatic sprayer. And then really understanding what is a safer product to use in them. Um, you know, maybe using a quad Um, You know, uh, is not the safest choice of through an electrostatic sprayer. More importantly, David, is is if you have a facility, I'm a strong believer that you want to have different types of disinfectants with different active ingredients. Uh, You don't really want to be using one disinfectant at all times. You want to be mixing it up so you aren't creating or helping create the you know the the, the super bugs, etc. But the changes have been, I think, immense. So uh, you know, starting backwards is you know just by using microfiber cloth. You know, and then really recognizing that, hey, we don't even need to go there. Just understanding, just using a squeegee. And I, I know you talk about that a, as well. And and then you recognize from microfiber electrostatic sprayers, you look at ATP meters, you, you look at some of the software that's now available for capturing um, and, and recording, you know, for health and safety issues, uh, dual bucket systems. So none of right. these alone may be this earth shattering change, but it just goes back and saying that, guys. If you just made that simple change in understanding, if we're not able to, to uh, uh, you know check our, our solution, let it be with a quad paper, if you're using a disinfectant, I know that it's now dropped below this limit, I need to change my solution. Even though it looks clean, smells clean, there's lots of bubbles in it, but guys, I'm at 100 ppm and I'm no longer a disinfectant. Or understanding that, hey, I need to be changing that solution um, or that mop head as I'm going from the bathroom into that cafeteria area. So the dual bucket system. So I think there's been a lot of change out there. None of it may be necessarily this, uh, this quantum leap, but I think it's all incremental that you look at what you do things. You're still vacuuming, but the vacuums of today are significantly better than the vacuums of 20 years ago. you got an auto scrubber. You still may have an auto scrubber, but they're better than they were 20 years ago. So every type of custodial tool, equipment, um, and even chemicals, they have uh, ramped up. And I think the biggest thing now is to what uh, we, we say is that we should be looking now, and I think that's what's going to be the biggest change moving forward, David, is that education. That's what I was it's, just it's about to really reading. saying that it's, and I've said all that, you could give the world's greatest product or equipment to someone, they could make it fail. That person at the end of that mob could make any product work, and they could make any product fail fail so you really the focus is going to be guys we could get and i understand we could get more impact if we start uh properly developing our people and giving them the right environment of, of motivation could you imagine if if everybody had these rock stars that they wake up in the morning say, i can't wait to get into that facility to do that uh, this awesome cleaning etc and it is it is doable i i think that it is doable if we start the focus on more and better education Um, of the people and more and better leadership Uh, custodial services and you said at the beginning it's um, has now become more and more recognized as it's an important function and I've said it for years I've done test uh, webinars uh, probably 20 years ago saying that in my opinion custodial services just as important as doctors as nurses as firemen as police officers they are saving lives. We are keeping people healthy. There's, when they're sick, they go to the doctors or the nurses or the hospital. They are preventing all that. And you look at some of the other rules. You walk into a, a, a school, that custodial staff, they're your Walmart greeter. They are the security. I personally walk through schools in the United States, and teachers look at me, say, oh, he must be the subteacher. Custodial staff, That no, I'm out of place. You know, if you want to know who's, um, you know, who's doing what, where, you ask a custodian, so they're the security force. Uh, they're the ones that could determine the level of health. They sometimes are the guidance counselor. They we play such an important role. So the knowledge or acceptance of the importance of of custodial services, of cleaners, and um, knowing that if it is that important, how are we going to get better results? We just can't blow our brains out by giving them more products or or uh, uh, a more. Uh, you know, equipment is really understanding, give them, they got great tools, how to use those tools better. And it's understanding the why, you know, and and I'm, I'm taking words out of your mouth. They need to understand why you are saving lives. You are keeping people safer and healthier. And then the what and how becomes somewhat irrelevant as long as they're following the manufacturer's instructions. But that training, I think, is going to be the most significant impact moving forward. The last thing I think is going to be, um there's gonna be challenges i think that there's gonna be some facilities that are going to be questioned mike are you doing the best job possible prove it to me do you see certain... a lot of people squandering f- saying but, but 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 boss i'm dave i am doing the best job. Well, prove it to me also i'm asking you for some proof give me some data that shows that what you're doing is good
0: who are you so in that so in that vein of thought mike you know one of the things i'm i'm wondering and, and, of course, I get asked that from this question from uh, people that are coming here. Are certifications proof of knowledge, um, um, a, a, a chain of skill sets? Do you think this is going to be more of a requirement, or do you think we're still going to be going into this uh, age of flux where some people have it and some don't, and nobody really cares. Do you think we might move towards that type of, because this is about the people, you know, that's what a certification is. This is about the person and the knowledge they have, their skill set abilities. We've got some things we're doing for 22, which follow the Rockstar program uh, to help leadership have more valuable tools towards those goals. But how do you see this?
1: I uh, would say that certifications uh, are going to grow in importance period i I do believe that there's a a place for um you know uh, independent certifications like what what you do dave and but I, i think that some companies some organizations may be large enough that they could actually do it themselves um you know develop uh their own internal uh training program i think the biggest problem is a lot of the Operators, they, the managers, supervisors, they have this information overload. They're bombarded every day. This manufacturer comes in, my chemical is better than theirs, or this product is better, or this procedure is better. But how do they really know? So I think that's where certifications come in. You know, you're not saying you've got to use brand X or brand Y. You're saying, okay, in order to strip a floor, here's the steps that's required, let it be the tools, the equipment, the procedures, etc. So I, I think they having something that's verifiable, that's validated that is, um, that, you don't, you know, that you don't have a vested interest in promoting a particular product, those types of certifications are gonna be critical. Number two is, is like uh, going to a, a doctor. Um, you know, if you went to a doctor or, uh, and, he, and he shows his diploma and up there from 40 years ago and he says, doctor, when's the last time you took a retraining course? Well, I haven't went to a retraining course in 40 years, so it's not just going to be the initial training or initial certification. I think what's going to become more important is that that um, that uh, retraining, and, and I think so. There's going to be that, the need to saying that this is independent proof, and it could be linked to someone like uh, from your organization that this person has met the skill set, the uh, the qualifications, the the knowledge. Of how to do A, B, C, and D to give this end result, so they understand the why, they understand the what and how, and uh, to to make that happen. And then from there, I think it's also going to be the requirement of proof of that retraining. Now, the only thing I said at the beginning is I think that some organizations may be able to do it; they may be big enough that you know to hire their own uh, uh, Dave to 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 develop these independent courses. But uh, there's going to be that need; somebody's going to have to provide. Uh, uh, verification and validation that that knowledge base is there. And it goes back to what I said. Otherwise I'd be a hypocrite saying that for the people that's that's so important that we don't need that verification yet we want to walk around with ATP meters or black lights and to validate that. It means nothing is that you You start understanding is if you give them the knowledge, you teach them how uh, they'll be able to make so many uh, uh, other decisions. So to me, again, repeating myself, education, and re-education is is gonna continue to grow uh, in in importance. And and those that don't do it are gonna actually then see their their results suffer, that the ROI on that cleaning, somebody's gonna walk into a facility and say, hey, these are like facilities, that restaurant example you use, why is this one looking better? Why is it smelling better? You know, I don't smell perfume, but I smell, you know, freshness. Like when you do laundry outside, Uh, they're gonna start understanding that, uh, hey guys, Cleaning is an important function and you're going to get out of it what you put into it. So if you aren't putting in the investment of your people and knowledge and training of that knowledge, it's impossible to get the outputs that you, that you desire or the comparison to best in class. It goes back right back. The best in class organization is going to be doing, investing in, and going to have this level of results and um, up here. And then others that aren't doing it are going to have lower level results. And they say, why? Well, you're not doing A, B, and C, and D. And out of that, mentioned earlier about 100 criteria, uh, training and retraining, ongoing training are two very, very important uh, aspects that should be done today, and they will grow in importance.
0: Can and we, I mean, we've been going here for around 40 minutes, and before we, you know, get to the end of our session, I want to go back and review your eight uh, points in your study, and your um, I I forget. I'm sorry, Mike. Uh, your um, white paper that you've put out here on on this subject because I think it's important. After we talk about this, if uh, people have listened to all of the conversations that we've had, let's let bring focus back to that so that they understand what it is that you're you're offering here today.
1: Well, thank you very much. Uh, if somebody's interested, they could go to uh, my website, which is www mike sawchuk. Um, Alloneword.com, and uh, in there they'll see a tab called Insights. They could just go to that Insights tab and they could download or, or read the special report for themselves. So MikeSajic.com, and then go to the Insights tab. But the um, the title of it, it's a special report, uh, uh, probably about a not ten minute read thereabouts, uh, is maximizing your in-house cleaning operations. So it's designed for in-house as opposed to BSCs, and it says eight strategies. Beyond products, procedures, and protocols to increase your in house cleaning results while ensuring a consistent level of clean, safe, and healthy, at the lowest overall cost. So, with those eight strategies, what um, the one number one ahead out there, David, is focus on people. That's what you really need to focus on it is not the products, not the procedure. You've got to make sure that you are able to attract the best possible view. So, if you're running this cleaning operation or this school board, and young people today, they say, oh, when I graduate, I want to go to Nike. I want to go to Google. I want to go to Facebook, et cetera. So what you're, the ones that want to become cleaner, you want to make sure that you are attracting the best of the best to your cleaning operation as opposed to your competitor's cleaning operation to your school board as opposed to your local college or, or, or university. So that number uh, one thing to focus on of the eight is uh, the, the people. And we talked about it, starting off right. What to look for. You know, otherwise I could hire anybody if I don't know what to look for so start off with a list and I provide a list uh, uh, in, in in the coaching is these are the skills or the attitudes you have you know let go when necessary you know typically you have a 90 day probation period you know I say mine the coal you got to go through a lot of rocks to find the diamonds so you have that bring them all in provide the right training it's an investment. And then you call through that the good ones that are as good or better or potentially as good or better did your best, you keep them. If not, they may be great people. You say, sorry, you need to go. Um, pay fairly, of course, be flexible, et cetera, or some two or three. The next thing is, we talked about already, is quality leadership. I really believe that that uh, your, your products are the car, your people, your engine and drivetrain, but the ones that are steering it. The ones that when you if something's going wrong, who do you need to look at it? It's not the custodian that made those decisions. Leadership made the decisions, what to invest in, what not to invest in, provide training, not to provide training, send them off to your training course or not, uh, et cetera. So the quality leadership is um, the, the second key um, uh, part of it. And then I run through in, in a special report, what are some qualities you look for in great leaders and great managers? And, and it was uh, what we said earlier is that great leaders are trustworthy they're ethical, they're consistent, they're authentic, they give respect, you know, they they, they appreciate, you know, in your example, Mary, Mariette or Marietta, those are all examples that great leaders do. And so if you have people that aren't exhibiting those, you need to move on. The third uh, focus is recognize the outsource threat, more so in the United States and Canada, but colleges, universities, school boards are moving out to a subcontract, they, they recognize that what is our mission? You know, uh, uh, what we're here to do is provide an education to the students. It may not be to, to provide cleaning services. So if they determine that they could get greater value by subcontracting out cleaning operations, they will. And now uh, would you want that on your back saying that, yeah, I was the last director or manager custodial services, or I was the FM director that had to let go our cleaning operation because there was greater value in moving to outsourcing uh, True North, your purpose, your mission, your vision. You should be able to walk into, uh, and you could do a lot of the great companies, but how many cleaning operations you walk and say, what's the mission of your department? And some may know, but they're reading it or they pull a little card in their wallet. Want to say, In your own words, in your own heart, what, what is the mission? And if you can't have your people, everybody, the custodians, the supervisors, the managers, lead hands, the director, being able to say, this is our mission, this is our vision, these are the core values, and are able to live and and breathe in in them every day, then you have uh, an issue. Number five is what we said again earlier, information overload. Most custodial managers today, their heads are popping. They come in, they got all these demands. Who's not showing up for work today? Who we need to hire? What the um, uh, uh, school board's asking or what my director's asking for, etc.? All these people want to have appointments that, you know, buy my product, it's a better disinfectant, it's a better sprayer, it's a better this, it's a better that. There's all this information overload, and what that typically stagnates decisions, You it, becomes, it just drives ambiguity. Nobody wants to make a decision for fear of making the wrong decision. So you need to have a way to cut through some of that uh, uh, information. Uh, dealing with subpar employees, you know, I don't mean to sit there and, and be this ruthless, but you're not fair to your 95%, uh, you know, as an example, of your great employees by tolerating the 5% bad employees. Yet so many are don't know how to manage, especially in a unionized environment. Well, we got to keep them. Well, whose fault is it? You typically had a 90-day period, a probation period, you know, why did you deal with it then? Or not you, maybe it was the previous management, or even now, you need to show people that you will not Tolerate that type of behavior. You're not going to tolerate those types of results because if you do, if you let those people, those five percent, get away with bad behavior, bad attitude, bad results, bad output, the other ones are are going to uh, be tough for them to want to to uh, excel because you've set the bar uh, with them. So you need to deal, have a strategy, deal with subpar employees. Seven is the next pandemic. I know you've spoken about Daryl and and uh, your your doctor friend from uh, Australia there is going to be another pandemic, period. I don't know when, you may not know when, I don't think anybody knows when, but it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And the sad part is when we had SARS, when we had H1N1, swine, swine flu, we all said, oh, we're going to do things so much different. We're going to be better prepared. We're going to have better PPEs. We're going to have better inventory management. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And that's what we've been saying the last 18 months. But I challenge people to say too many people once this pand- current pandemic is over, they're going to go back to the way they were. They're going to be complacent and, and, and let themselves settle in. I'm a, that's my fear. And I'm saying, we got off lucky, Dave. We got off lucky with this one. What happens if it was more deadly to the healthy and young people? What happens if it really was more contagious? You know, this would it... And so the next one, we don't know. So I'm saying there's a better way of preparing for the next pandemic. And what I've, um, uh, you know, uh, been coaching for probably 20 30 years i call it the uh, used to call it defcon system of clean and decontamination it's like your u.s military you have defcon one two three and four and five um you know i'm a canadian i may get the numbers wrong but the whole idea is you walk in facility they all typically have sops and they all typically may have a pandemic plan but they have nothing in between and that's the danger so if you are having a pandemic and you say Boss, boss, asks you what do you do? Well, I'm uh, cleaning more frequently. Uh, I'm uh, uh, doubling up on my disinfectant. That you know, but my everyone's trying really hard. Well, that may not cut it. You may be held irresponsible because you're in a pandemic and using SOPs. Conversely, if you're saying we're using our pandemic plan for the past 18 months, you just blown your budget on people, uh, financial resources, etc. So, really, what we train people is saying, guys, you need to have SOPs when there's no threat. Now, when there's a threat, as example, uh, in your particular country, now there's talk about a new pathogen or pandem- potential pandemic coming to the United States. What do you do? Well, you should be ramping up your, your, your frequencies. You should be ramping up the efficacies of your cleaning chemicals, move from those one to five twelves or one to two fifty sixes, etc. et cetera. You may be looking at changing some procedures. You may be saying, okay, that's a pathogen concern. I wanna to move to disinfectants that has that as stated kill claim. Now, once it's now in your particular state, what do you do? Well, then you ramp it up again. You move from DEFCON level one to you ramp it up again. Products, procedures, efficacies, frequencies, targeted hygiene, et cetera. Maybe your procedure, maybe your validation, et cetera. And then once it's now in your city, you go to the highest level. And then as they recede, you move that stuff back down. So it's, it's a very simple, but it's typically not easy to implement. But that is uh, probably one of the ones I'm more most proud of is that you're going to um, have to know how to deal with those pandemics. And the last thing is that uh, I really believe is, don't guess, assess. You know, you may have the best cleaning operation uh, compared to other facilities of your type, but you may not. How do you know? How, what are you relying on? Are you relying on your people saying it's the best? How do you know? So do an, an assessment, and like I said earlier, it's easy to get a, a checklist. But you're, the more integrated that you include, not just product, procedure, and protocols, include people, what to look for, leadership, what to look for. Look under the hood for yourself—not what they say they're doing, but what they're actually doing. I think that could be uh, critical because you'll know exactly where you are, and as only to understand that, do you and understand where you want to go? Can you then say, Yeah, I want to invest in that training, because clearly my people aren't doing uh, cleaning and disinfecting properly. Not their fault. They just weren't trained properly on it. So those are the eight things. And again, if somebody's interested, just MikeSochik.com,
0: Insight tab, they
1: could download the report themselves.
0: Folks, we're at the end of our podcast for today. If you've watched or listened, you've heard all about the Rockstar program. You can go to RockstarCustodian.com or you can go to AcademyOfCleaning.com. We have all those there. Of course, all of you know we're on all of the podcast channel of Beyond Clean With Ace on Podbean Live usually. We'll be broadcasting this out there as well as on YouTube so that you can see Mike as he talked us through his, his program of eight steps. Um, if, in fact, you like what you heard, you want to be on the show, we're always looking for somebody like Mike to come on the show and let's talk about it. Mike, thanks a lot for your time and effort uh, putting all this together and your long-standing relationship. I'm glad that we could uh, hook up again. Look forward to some more conversations. Thank you. My pleasure. Please look in the show notes. We'll have all of Mike's information there. Uh, Like and share what we have. And, folks, remember between now and the next time we see you, keep it healthy, positive, and proactive. Until next time, thanks for watching.